This is Channel 253 Sports. This week on the Flounders B-Team podcast. Like for all the complaints we have about Ariaga and O'Neill, there's like, particularly after Philly just sold off West Mc, or whatever McKinney they had, um, there's, there's no MLS team that has three center backs that are better than those three. In 2004, 30 years after the birth of the Seattle Sounders, a crack podcasting unit was sent to prison by a federal court for a crime they didn't commit. These men and women promptly, well, eventually, escaped from a minimum security luxury prison camp to the Tacoma Underground. Today, still wanted by the Timbers Army for dropping trial in front of Jeltwin, they survive as supporters of fortune. If you need a hot take, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the Flounders BT. Uh, I think Tim's going to make fun of me, but hey, everybody, this is Steve, and you are listening to the Flounders B-Team Podcast. Welcome back. It's 2021. That crazy year is over. And uh, in studio, of course, today we've got, um, well, we've got Tim Hamilton, the perennial muffin top model, waving, waving. And of course, we're on Zoom. We're remote. We're not uh, touching each other and giving each other hugs and all that that weird nasty stuff, right? But, but Was there a lot of touching and hugs before? Not, I mean, no, not really. <laughs> At, At the, the really, end, sometimes. Steve gets, all right. Steve gets a little I love you, man-ish. <laughs> Yeah, it depends on how much I'm I'm drinking, which isn't as much these days. But uh, yeah, we can we can, we can have some hugs, a, you know. A little little jealous because the couple of times I I sat with you guys previously, there was there was never any hugs. So I was gonna say if it was a common thing and just didn't happen when I was there, I was gonna some of them under the table. That's John Murphy, everybody. Uh, he joined the hey. cast last year before we uh, we cut out. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to say John doesn't really give off a huggable vibe. I'm going to throw that out there. You know, I, I might be a little guarded at times, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I will generally never turn down a hugging opportunity. Oh, what a guy. Yeah. See, I've never even tried. Yeah. Never even tried. Yeah. See? Well, we didn't really have much opportunity the past 11 months or so, Steve, so that's all right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Next time I come over, though, boy, oh, boy, I'm coming in, and you'll push me down the stairs. <laughs> uh, also in studio or on the Zoom today, we have the – oh, man, the I just every time you're in studio, Dave, I, I feel really blessed. Dave Clark, uh, formerly – and now currently of Sounder at Heart once again. Back streets, back again. All right. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Not again. Uh, <laughs> MLS is back. <laughs> uh, MLS is back. Dave Clark's back. It's all happening. It's all coming back to us. Boy, oh, boy. Oh, man. So uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about um, the year that was, uh, some of the reasons maybe that we left and didn't come back for a while. Uh, also talk about, you know, just what happened last year with our glorious Sounders. And of course, what's happening going forward with the league, with the Sounders, with players. Uh, Dave's here to talk a little bit about Defiance and kind of some of his analysis around uh, what the Sounders might need, what the Defiance might need. And of course, how that interweaves as the youth pipeline and the uh, talent pipeline is groomed by um well i guess new staff this year are we still are we still looking for people hmm. so lots to talk about today and in future weeks uh and if you want that rain content boy oh boy that's coming too we're uh setting up a, a show or two on what's has happened what is going to happen with ol rain and uh what's going on in tacoma uh with maybe stadium stuff and uh we got we got lots uh lots on deck for that in future shows. So do stay tuned. Uh, you are, of course, listening to the Flounders B-Team podcast. I'm Steve Kettleson. And, uh, well, let's let's get this party started quickly, huh? 
So what have you been up to this year, Dave? Uh, nothing. No, I just <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been looking around the yeah, house. Yeah, so the, uh, I've got these walls. The soccer highlights of the year were being able to broadcast Tacoma Defiance on those home games. The oh, yeah. few that they had, remember, uh, they had a nine-game road trip in their summer when they came back to play. So the- how many how many games actually ended up getting canceled or rescheduled due to opposing teams having positive COVID tests? I believe it was four for COVID tests and one for smoke. Uh, uh, smoke? Oh, yeah. Remember, you might have yeah. forgotten, but in August, <laughs> oh, there were wildfires that were so extensive. Oh, the entire West Coast was on fire. <laughs> I forgot about that. I actually did not like smoke. What's smoke? Yeah, so Defiance Somebody had a game that was rescheduled with portland twice oh my god once That's right once was for uh it doubled up on one of the parent clubs dates so they rescheduled that they're like how did we miss this earlier we can't play on that day <laughs> the first team plays on that day and then it the makeup day was re- was a covid test down in portland there was at least one positive and then the next day <laughs> that they tried to do it the uh fires in portland had like an air quality of like 215 oh um, my goodness like what a year yeah, so usl air quality standards are the same as mls and same as nwsl that 200 number is where the leagues will mandate a uh, delay or reschedule in the 150 to 200 is when the local when the participating organizations the two clubs and referees can determine whether or not to reschedule so th- there were a couple for reno sacramento portland and tacoma that had games go off in that 150 to 200 range for that kind of 10 day period there were a few games played in those conditions and then um reno and portland were the two host cities i believe that had to re just reschedule entirely for air quality not COVID. the longest well, year in existence uh, I mean, no no joke What's the uh, what's the TV show with uh, the how many countries are in this country? Uh, Ted, not Ted, is it Ted Lasso? Yes, because he was surprised that England is part of the United Kingdom, but so Scotland and so is Wales and so is Ireland and even the Isle. So he's like, how many countries are in this country? Yes, Ted yeah, Lasso. So there's the show Ted Lasso. I uh, haven't seen it yet, obviously, because I'm trying to quote it and failing miserably. But uh, there was a yeah. <laughs> Let's let's go move on. So 2020 has been very much like if we wrote down everything that happened, like Kobe Bryant passed away. Oh my god! Yeah, like was that this year? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, insanity. Kind of kick. Yeah. John Murphy, what have you been up to? Thank you for joining the show okay. once again. By the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's no problem at all. Um, you know, the past few months have been um just a lot of a lot more time at home than i've been used to probably in the past six or seven years professionally um was able to kind of get some new friends uh interested in in dungeons and dragons and the the uh, virtual options that exist for that so played in a few games um ran a few games played a few games have a couple that are still ongoing which is which is great and, and yeah that's then i guess kind of uh been doing a lot of uh just like some stuff locally mutual aid wise uh making some sandwiches we almost weekly for the tacoma rescue mission um which is kind of something that the uh the realty agents at windermere abode uh started organizing and just kind of took part in that and yeah just uh tried to stay sane that's absolutely fantastic giving back man 
Um, you're on one of the uh, one of the games that you one of the Dungeons and Dragons games you play. Uh, I actually run, and you're that's on true. It, and Dave Clark's on it, and Andrew Harvey's on it. Oh, Dave, did you want to talk about um, your your YachtCon challenge? I will we'll have details about that that soon. But if you like D and D and Tacoma, pay attention to the Nos Audius uh, feeds on your favorite social media, and probably Sounder at Heart, but. That there'll be a Tacoma D and D thing that we'll be talking about. In uh, it, we could start talking about it as early as I think Tuesday, but it'll okay, just be well, a fun way for nice. dorks to nerd about um, Defiance and Tacoma and the dungeons as well as the dragons. Have you finished your sports in Dungeons and Dragons uh, piece yet? I I have uh, written a little bit about it. Um, I, uh, yeah, so you can find that. Um, I, I, I blog about D&D. That's something that started in earnest um, after I was uh, furloughed because I am a guy that hasn't gone more than like four days without writing um, for 13 or 14 years and going a couple of months without writing really destroyed my mental health. So I'm like, what will I write about? I will write about uh, 20-sided dice and... <laughs> story. So I, I started a little blog, Full Moon Storytelling, all one word, dot com, and you can read about my thoughts about D&D. They're probably less interesting to most of our listeners than the thoughts about soccer, but those will be, uh, <laughs> those will start, I think I got a story going up at Sounder Art tomorrow, so... But you know what? Good writing is good writing, and uh, you do make some, uh, some com- you have some compelling ideas, and I'm glad you're sharing those with folks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, this year's been kind of crazy for you, too, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I am just basically deemed an essential employee. I, I sell wine and liquor, and uh, there's been a lot of that going out all year. <laughs> it's pretty essential, and you do... Uh, you do uh, on-prem nope the on-prem's pretty on-prem is basically bars and places where you sit oh, there gotcha. and sit Sorry. down and drink um so i've been doing take-home stuff and and if you can't belly up to the bar like you normally do then uh you take it home or you drink in the car or something like that and <laughs> hopefully so, not that <laughs> uh, 2020's been a good year but unfortunately uh just the way my uh the way my pay scale or structure set up um i don't really get to see a whole lot of it oh i'm Somebody's sorry about like, that Oh, just it's all good. I mean, I, I could be uh, on the other end where, you know, I could have been laid off and 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 you know had a lot of questions to ask. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's definitely been a difficult year in the uh, in the Kettleson household, but we are incredibly fortunate. Uh, we've got uh, uh, we've had kiddos in and out uh, from that uh, in the house. Um, you know, one 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 kiddo's off to college. Another kiddo is uh, is is looking to go off to college, and it's just been uh, it's been a whirlwind of activity all year long. Um, we've also been doing, uh, uh, group movie nights and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, you know, sharing kind of the, what is it? Netflix calls it the watch parties and that kind of thing. Uh, doing some, some, some stuff and it's, it's been good to, to just keep connected. You know, this, uh, times like this, it's, it seems like, uh, this is where you, you find out who your friends kind of really are. You know what I mean? Is who do you want to who do you want to try to spend time with, and who do you actually end up spending time with, and how how much effort are we willing to 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 make those connections? 
All right. That was a terrible segue. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Steve. Wow. Okay. So, soccer's. The Sockers. What else has been going on in in MLS lately? Um, let's see. We've we had uh, we had the the MLS is back tournament. So we had this kind of the timeline, right? In March, everything shut down, mm-hmm. uh, give or take. What March fifteenth or sixteenth? Um, league decided they're going to suspend till at least June, and then uh, so the the season was suspended. And then they came up with this uh, funky scheme to put together a tournament down in Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay, MLS is back, or the COVID Cup, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so they, they did this NBA-style bubble and got all the players and limited family members, or did they have no family members? Did people have to choose to lo- lo- leave their family? They, to- they had to leave their family. Uh, and I want to call Thanks. it. A, I want to call it the uh, the NWSL style because they were the first league to do the bubble right mls even did it before the nba but yeah let's uh let's give some a big shout of appreciation to to the women who uh were the first ones to show that sports in a bubble uh is pretty much the only way to play sports safely right well and it's not only the same for them to have like the the first successful one but to actually have the one that hasn't had any that didn't have any infections while the bubble was in place either I believe, um, which I think MLS uh, I think qualifies NBA, for that too. If you, you think so? Even with Dallas and, and Nashville basically showing up with full teams, well, they didn't infected. get. They didn't. Uh, those were all previous to the bubble, similar to Orlando. Unfortunately, didn't get to go to. True. They didn't go get to go to Harriman, Utah, for <sighs> six weeks because. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but at least at least the pride didn't travel to Utah and then find out um, where, like, like. Dallas and 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 Nashville, Nashville landing yeah. and being in the in the pre bubble yeah. period and having all, all that. I mean, it was it was unfortunate. I mean, I'm glad that the league was able to adjust uh, fairly quickly, uh, but it was kind of a, a pretty scary situation, I, I think, um, and probably even more so for the players. Um, but I think it just really really kind of put uh, shined a light on on just how states handled mm-hmm. um, the early stages of of the pandemic differently. Uh, just because you know Tennessee was obviously different than than Texas, which was different than than uh, um, than up here in Washington. Um, you know the fact that the the earthquake even had to like the earthquakes traveled in early just to make sure that they could have time to practice because of the way that California had its restrictions in place at the time. Um, it, just, it was interesting to see, I guess, how how the tournament played out, and um, you know I think could probably could have gone a little better, but I think overall it was it worked as, as we kind of saw, maybe it didn't work as well for the Sounders as we would have hoped, but it worked. Tim go. Oh no. I was just thinking that uh, I, to start the, to start the season, we got bounced from CCL pretty early. And then the, the back to the MLS back tournament, we were without, um, we were without Nico for a little bit. Then we ended up losing, Yamar, I believe, because of uh, a couple of uh, he had to stretch and strain and pull some shenanigans because somebody let him down. But um, oh, and then no. we had the uh, the Iron Front standoff that the that the players and the uh, and the supporter groups won. That kind of got blown over because nobody was in stands to put the put the three arrows down. Is that this year they reached. 
that was, I think that was the tail end of last year was, when they reached the that agreement. Was tail end of last year, yeah. and then you know when, the, but this was like the season where all that was going to be. Woo, once you know, once we got back to our home, I think uh, ECS was somewhat um, bummed out about uh, how things were displayed. Um, it's my understanding behind the goal, even though there were no fans. Yeah. So we ended up. Uh, Did we end up having one? We had the home opener, and that was basically it. There were two we two games, two MLS matches for the Sounders with fans. There was the one that was basically we knew everybody knew in like ten hours, large gatherings would be banned. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when, when you go home, sanitize. Yeah, I did. Don't not, tell anybody. That was the I one with not attend. Had about two thirds of the normal fans showed up only, uh-huh. and everybody showed up at the last possible minute. I know <laughs> I didn't go to Temple ahead of time. I didn't buy any drinks while I was there. Didn't hit the, like that. I was just like, this is the last time I'm going to see my friends for a while. So I'm going to go. Yeah. Um, but our group of, uh, there's a group of us that own five seats and only three of us, three of the seats were filled. And that was intentionally. And we all showed up with like three minutes before the anthem and that was it. And we're normally there a half hour or so. Um, yeah. And that was the March 7th or 8th was that one. And then down in Tacoma, Defiance played the um, the match without fans against San Diego mm-hmm. on March 11th, where yep. we were the last pro soccer game to be played pre pre pandemic. And um, at one point that evening, I think we were the final sporting event of the night because that was the night that Rudy Gobert got, and the Utah Jazz got pulled from the field or from the arena, and so as we were talking NBA games were being all the West coast games were canceled and all the East and central time zones. Once they finished, the league was like, we're done. And so we ended that, that night, uh, which is to Andrew Harvey and I uh, seeing the loyal beat defiance and what was actually a pretty good match. But um, that was the last time that we were at a press conference with the coach. Cause after that, the, we weren't allowed to go onto the field level. So it was a March was uh March was a decade ago. Yeah. It definitely okay. seems like that, doesn't it? <laughs> so how did we get from um so how did we get from the 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 bubble the bubble tournament to how uh, remind me how long it took to get from bubble tournament bubble tournament was reasonably successful nobody got uh nobody nobody really seriously got ill. And how do we move as a league from that 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 outcome to okay? Let's just go ahead and and play regionally again, or play uh, play nationally again with no with no fans. I mean, that was bad. You know, was there what like a three three week period of no matches again after after the uh, the the tournament was over. Um, I, I honestly, I was shocked that the return to play post uh, MLS's back was so quickly decided on. I, I thought there might have been a little bit more time just because of how how certain parts of the country were kind of shaping up, especially in states that were allowing fans at large, you know, even at you know smaller capacity, but mm-hmm. still uh, still allowing fans, uh, particularly you know Florida, Texas, um, you know, states where we were seeing consistently you know high infection rates. Um, but yeah, I was surprised how quickly they went, but, uh, I mean, I guess it was good 
if, if it was something the players wanted to do, I mean, that, that was where, where my support uh, kind of, or where I was willing to, to put it. I, I didn't, I can be perfectly honest. I didn't watch most of the post MLS is back uh, matches yeah. uh, because it was in a non-bubble format. And I didn't, I didn't fully agree with that as, as a fan. Um, I did end up watching the MLS cup, but you know, um, that was kind of the, the one, the one gimme I, I gave myself for the season. You know, still kept, you know, read, you know, um, you know, articles on Sounder at Heart and, and you know, um, the Athletic and, and places like that, that that discussed the team and the league kind of kept up on what was going on. But, um, you know, my focus was just kind of elsewhere <laughs> on match days, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, that was the personal choice that I made and, you know, yeah. didn't really feel, you know, I think everybody kind of had to, had to go with what their comfort level was there and i think that the general consensus and you guys can you know tell me if this is correct or not um was that if, if the players were willing to be on the field and wanting to play then it, then you know you feel comfortable enough watching these events happen because you know as long as they're they're you know it sucks that they're putting themselves at risk but it's also you know their choice at that point yeah and there was collective bargaining extent. around that extent. right <laughs> so a majority like half plus one at least uh decided this was a good idea and collective bargaining you know made that happen. And I mean, that's, that's the way it was, but I I think there were a lot of folks, a lot of players that were not exactly thrilled that this was happening and um, you know, come and and they had to fight hard for some protections, I think in the, uh, in the collective bargaining agreement to make sure that when they did come back, they're going to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there were definitely some concessions that, that they won and it, it helped them expand their, their drive to have more charters they basically were essentially charter only for the entire season and something that hasn't happened before there was supposed to be a, if uh, there hadn't been a pandemic they were supposed to have an expansion of charters but to go to 100 percent charters was something that was agreed to for for safety reasons i pulled the opposite of john i i watched everything and i i had to watch everything because um People who know me online or from Sounder Art know that that soccer has just been, had become such a huge part of who I am. Like I, I worked for Defiance and Rain for a year and a half, um, so it was my job. And with Sounder Art, it was twenty plus hours a week in essentially a job. And the number one thing I did for fun was go to soccer games mm-hmm. um, when I wasn't working. So I just had to have that, even if it was this weird, not even virtual community, but just that that minor presence and routine of of having the game and knowing that my friends were watching. I needed that for my mental health. Um, and I think that that was a big discovery that I made was it's a lot easier to sit at home and not spread the virus going out if I've got something valuable yeah. on, on TV, whether that's sports or Bridgerton, or Mandalorian. Um, it, it, it's just easier to stay at home um, if if they're if you can turn a screen on, a good screen, not not a work screen. And so, I I'm actually maybe, glad maybe that Yoda saved your life. I, I'm I'm glad that most sports found ways to do it somewhat safely, um, and. For, for me, that was a benefit because it reduced my drive to do dumb things. 
Yeah, definitely want to want to recognize the value of sports and helping people escape from this insane year. Um, you know, one of my one of my annual traditions is uh, going to Reno. I go to Reno every March and uh, with some friends, and we 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 drink and gamble on on March Madness, right? And that was canceled. As soon as that was canceled, I knew the shit was serious, right? But uh, yeah, people have had to have their their routines changed and their expectations changed and. And it's it's been difficult, even if things aren't hard for uh, hard for you as an individual, uh, you're you know, you're still working, but things are still hard. It's still difficult to cope with the claustrophobia, with the isolation. And um, so I'm, I'm really glad that we now have this out, outlet again to uh, kind of talk about these things and get back into the swing of it, man. It's positive. Good stuff. Yeah, there's there's a there's a kind of dopamine that that gets released when you're in community, you know, not, yep. whether the games are oh, yeah. good or bad, you're you're just shoulder to shoulder with your uh, your seatmates, and I'm I'm I can't wait to to be back out there whenever things open up yep. safely again. There's a lot of human contact at those games, man. A lot of it. Yep. And I miss it for one. Well, we can uh, kind of shift forward into the results of uh, the 2020 season, which were, you know, I'd say pretty good for the Seattle Sounders. Yeah, I think this is one of the first years we didn't have that huge lull where, you know, we're all questioning, you know, Garth out, Schmitz out, Ziggy out, everybody's out, blow the thing up. <laughs> and then, you know, we make that summer signing and then things turn around again. This Things were pretty positive. Um it was it was difficult start stop start stop all the time, but uh, when we had our full team together, uh, things were things were humming right along. We looked good. Yeah, so many people have pointed it out, but we have to point it out as well. Uh, it's really a shame that we didn't get to see these people in front of us in, in like at the stadium, um, which changed names during the year. Um, <laughs> you know, this would have been a, this would have been a great team to see because we had three best eleven players. We had oh yeah essentially three of the top 10 attacking players in the league and have been able to watch that live would have been just so much fun. And then again, didn't the Sounders have like probably their one of their best goal differentials, like positive goal differentials ever, like in, in the history of the league. Like it was, it was insane seeing those, those, that positive number. I'm used to seeing it much lower or or, uh, sometimes, unfortunately, even in the, in the negative. Um, And, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think seeing this team live would have been um, pretty amazing. Uh, some of those wins were, you know, you know, watching highlights and stuff were were great to see. You know, especially that that what that seven to one victory over San Jose. Like that would have been. I wish we would have gotten that one that live be because maybe we would have forced Schmetz to actually put the kids in when he had a five nil lead and didn't put any kids in. <laughs> Do I don't even know roster wise. Did we even have a full bench? I mean, we were allowed this year. We were allowed five subs, and uh, I sometimes it didn't even seem like we had an eighteen or twenty-three man roster. So, uh, I mean, so I digress. Just no, sorry. that was a great point. Like, uh, there were this year, you were allowed a twenty on game day roster of twenty, so you would have had a full bench was nine guys, and there were a lot of times that it was only seven or eight for the Sounders. Uh, there was one game that uh, both uh, Stephen Cleveland and Trey Muse were on the game day roster and it still wasn't at 20. So um, yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of oddities. Do you have any inside info on that? Do you have any idea why these guys weren't on the roster? Did they, 
someone get upset, someone not perform, someone get uh, penalized for you know well, maybe showing up late for a meeting or something. Or that's like five or six guys that it would have to be true for. So well, I mean, it, that's I'm why it's really in, confusing. There's always like injury. I mean, okay. Um, so yeah. Well, there was the to come. There was that that. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Tim. To come defiance wise, uh, we weren't able to bring guys up back and forth this year, right? Yeah, you couldn't bounce between the two, which is why uh, when the regular season returned, Alfonso Ocampo Chavez and Ethan Doubleair, who had both been signed uh, just prior to, or Ethan had been signed just prior to the MLS's back, they were loaned down to defiance on a long term loan, which is why they were able to practice with Tacoma. But even in the practice setting, the two leagues had uh, differing protocols. So you couldn't even get that where like uh, last year, Justin Dillon would practice all, all week with the Sounders and then go down and score goals for defiance kind of thing. You weren't able to have that at all this year so that it really pushed back. Uh, there's so many under 23 players because of how they've signed all these Academy kids, but they've only got like 12 minutes of professional time in MLS. Uh, their training and development has kind of been delayed and it's true in every sport, whether it's base, you know, baseball's minor leagues didn't happen at all. Um, but in, in soccer, you, you didn't get these guys bouncing between, so they didn't get their reps. Mm-hmm. And so Absolutely. it's going to be interesting to see what happens to them. Dylan kind of got rocked. Uh, Leva had an injury, wasn't really able to participate. And I, yeah, it feels like, and now he's, he's no longer on the, on the roster, right? Right. Dylan is currently a free agent. Um, he might get a look from an MLS side, or uh, I could see him being a starter for an independent team. You score 12 goals in a professional league. You, you deserve to play. Um, yeah. Hope, Hope should have been one of those guys oh, man. bouncing every single week between the two. Um, uh-huh. Particularly after his 2019 was really ended really well for him. So it's just the, it, it's, it's sad. I mean, we've, and we're going to see it in every single sport, uh, the NBA G league, the, there was no triple um, a baseball, but at that level, the triple a level of baseball, at least played at Cheney stadium as like a taxi squad. So we're going to take a little bit of a break here. Uh, you're listening to the Flounders B team with uh, Dave Clark, John Murphy, Tim Hamilton, and myself, Steve Kettleson, uh, FloundersBteam.com. Find us at FloundersBteam on Twitter. Uh, we're a Channel 253 podcast, and we'll be right back in just a minute or so. We'll talk a little bit more about what the Sounders and Defiance needs are going into the 2021 season, uh, a little bit about the collective bargaining that is impending, and then we'll probably close out the show. Uh, once again, this is the Flounders B-Team podcast, and we'll be right Hello, back. Hello, this is Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, We Art Tacoma. It's no secret that Tacoma's real estate market is off the charts right now. And whenever I have a question about what's happening, I take them to everyone's favorite pod auntie, Marguerite Martin. I trust her for so many reasons, but one of them is that she's not trying to sell me a house. After 16 years helping Tacomans buy homes, she's now a professional real estate matchmaker. That means her entire focus is getting you connected with the best agent for what you need. She helps you find experts because no agent is good at everything. Marguerite knows all the agents and she knows their specialty. Tell her what you're looking for and she'll help you swipe right for your perfect real estate agent. 
She helps me and my wife find an amazing agent to sell our condo downtown. And when we are ready to buy our next home, we'll turn to her for a match again. Best of all, getting a referral doesn't cost a dime. The agent pays Marguerite a finder's fee if you end up buying or selling. And you can rest easy knowing that you're going to get a great agent who specializes in exactly what you're looking for. To get started, visit movetotacoma.com and hit the contact form. Thank you, Marguerite, for getting Channel 253 up and running and your ongoing support of local media. Hey, welcome back to the Flounder Speed Team podcast. I'm Steve. I'm Tim. I'm Dave. Uh, that's John. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can tell we practiced that very well. Yeah. I, I don't know. Are we supposed to go clockwise? I'm really glad I, I gave you good uh, the Brady bunch. I gave you some really good uh, cues with my fingers. Like that we this. couldn't see. I'm pointing at you. They're off screen. <laughs> As long as it's just one, I'm used to it. So, yeah. Nine months of Zoom calls, and we're still not used to hand and arm sickness. I know, no shit, right? (laughs) We're all just kind of dumb in front of the computer still. Um, We weren't (laughs) built for this, right? I mean, I've been in my my little office downstairs. (laughs) I've been growing mushrooms in my little cave, and I also develop software on a team. Okay, so... Um, we were talking about the needs for the Seattle Sounders and Defiance. Uh, some of the uh, young kids that have uh, that should have gotten chances may not have uh, because of the the just the conditions on the ground. Um, and of course, it wouldn't be a Sounders postseason without talking about our our defensive line, right? <laughs> about the back line <laughs> and what needs we have there. So. Uh, why don't we kick this off, Tim? What do you think? What do you think we're uh, we're looking for for the Sounders this year? Oh, I, it's starting starting lineup. I mean, uh, I we have what we have three strongs. Actually, do you want to open up the uh, the thing that Dave did? I mean, up top we've got Dave did a thing. Oh yeah, in the in the chat there is a. Uh, I shared my depth chart with y'all. You get a preview of uh, content still to come. Oh, I'm so excited. This this team would have been from start to finish at a even in a, in a non COVID year. This would have been a a shield winning team uh, had Nico been healthy to start, and then had we not, we maybe would have advanced in CCL if we had uh, uh, Yamar through. You know, he was having some visa issues, I think, to get so he was able to play in the away games, but not right away in the one that we ended up losing. But I mean, our, our, our up top, we've got Raul. Uh, he's here for another year or so. Uh, Bruin re-signed, I believe. And then uh, Ocampo Chavez. Um, hopefully he can get some minutes. And if we start blowing some people out, uh, we're a little thin at, at uh, attacking right midfield. Attack at midfield, we've got, you know, uh, uh, starters, Morris, Ladero, Hopiao. And then, uh, I mean, well, that's it. We, we lost... We lost Jovan Jones. He was not picked up. And so that creates a hole. And that's either going to be filled with uh, Christian Roldan or, or Hopio. I mean, I, the few times I saw Hopio, I was in, I was, I think I'd like to see him compete. If he can't start, then at least, you know, come off the bench. He's, he's electrifying. He's got good speed. Uh, Double air. We only saw maybe once. And he, he got a really good uh, opportunity on goal and uh, uh, started to spark some things up. I like him. Um, defensively, left side, 
Well, actually, I'm not sure if if we're hanging on to Morris the entire season, or if this is one of those maybe we uh, try to sell him uh, to Germany or something um, to Europe this summer. I don't know. Insert the uh, office meme, please. God, no. <laughs> well, it's it's not going to be good for our team, but it might be good for him and his career. He's up there at the age where it's it for him. It's piss or get off the pot. Like I don't know if he's going to be. Uh, worth any more than he is right now because he doesn't have a, a World Cup until 2020. Two more years. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, defensively, well, we also lost Jovan Jones as a as a left back, but we got Nuhu and Smith. I'm happy with those two. Uh, John Paulo, it's is is uh, uh, so. I'm going to interrupt there. Is the coaching staff happy with those two? Normally, this coaching staff wants four left backs for who knows what reason. <laughs> I think yeah, that, there might be some some being down one now. No, I think they're going to be okay. Like if your left side is Nuhu, Jordan, and Brad Smith, you have two great starters from that set at all times. Um, you know, it, the the depth at the attacking mid, and then everything that's going on on the right side are where the worries have to be. Yeah. If if not, I, I mean, we attack up the left all the time, but if we're going to get countered. Why not go down the other side where it's just a bunch of uh, uh, newbies that don't necessarily have that that relationship and that uh, that chemistry yet? Yeah, there, there, there's just so much trouble there because you don't have Jovan Jones, who was the starting right mid, and you don't have Kelvin Lairdam, the starting what right happened, back. What happened with his drop-off, Jovan's uh, drop-off uh, to the end of the season there? Was he just too sick to play? Was he just couldn't get it, catch his breath? He looked really flat-footed in some of those late games. I, I don't know that we've seen incredible Joven since before he left right. when he what went he, to Germany mm-hmm. for two years. I don't, we have put him on the right. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but yeah, I mean, personally, ever since we moved him to midfield, it's just been kind of a, eh, whatever. I, I see him most dynamic coming from left back uh, defensively. I, serviceable as solid, but not like a, not like a lockdown cornerback kind of right. a thing, uh, but he he was just lightning going up, and then I guess when all you have to do is is knock a couple of crosses to to Dempsey, um, life gets easier for you. But <laughs> uh, yeah, this year coming up the right, I don't know if it just wasn't his thing. Uh, definitely an MLS Cup, he just seemed kind of laissez, you know, or blase fair, blase, yeah. whatever. He didn't seem uh, <laughs> really like he wanted to, you know. Steal your lunch money. I think blase fair is a, is a new term, and it, it totally blase works because blase. it's both. Blase fair. He was both blase and kind of yeah. the attitude, and his blase fair <laughs> as well. Like he doesn't care enough to do anything but leave you alone. Yeah, it, <laughs> right. I mean, especially if you're two, counterattacking. Two of those goals are on him more than they are on Alex. So it made a lot of sense yeah. to bring him back. It's safe to say that, and then that, he didn't work. That Joven Jones was uh, definitely uh, uh, physical distancing from his attacking player during the MLS Cup. Six feet, definitely. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it works yeah. out for her. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, you're, like you said, on the right side, we uh, we no longer have Leardom. Um, now, or Jones. Right. Did you uh, did you talk about your uh, center backs? I'm sorry, I cut you no, off. No, we were just going uh, top to front okay. to back. Yeah, but the, uh, the center backs are actually, like, 
outside of the the big three that were in the best eleven, the center backs are like you have Yamar, you have Ariaga, you have O'Neill. Yeah. Like, frankly, that's pretty solid. Every oh. MLS, like for all the complaints we have about Ariaga and O'Neill, there's like particularly after Philly just sold off West Mc, or whatever McKinney they had. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's no MLS team that has three center backs that are better than those three. True. So they're O'Neal, strong. O'Neill came out of left field, just like Alex Roldan. No one really expected. I mean, Alex got cut as a, as a, a right attacking midfielder basically, and then was brought back and he, uh, he, he proved himself worthy. Um, now, as far as our center backs, we didn't see a whole lot of Ariaga. Ariaga, uh, just, Played in about half. He had some international duties, and then uh, he had uh, – I think he had uh, – well, he, he never came out with COVID, but we definitely uh, had him quarantined when he got back because his team, Every international. Yeah. yeah. Every international yeah. had to quarantine. Half, half of his teammates that came back the same time became were positive as well. Um, so I think it was I think it was a precaution when they had flown him back early with the intention of not having him quarantine, but when they had had so many more positive cases with that Ecuadorian team, you just they, you couldn't let him go out in the field or, or potentially infect you know the, the players that that weren't on international duty. So yeah, our only known positives on the squad were Raul Ruiz Diaz and Gustav Svensson. They both picked it up during international play, and then there was one uh-huh. during the pause in play. There was a player that came down that um, the team has never revealed who it was. So those are the the only three player cases that we know about in the Sounders or uh, from first team and right. Defiance. There were only three public uh, and known cases. Now, Dave, do you know if we did anything differently, if we uh, exercised different um, precautions, uh, if we – how were uh, three seems really reasonable. I mean, obviously you'd want zero, but some teams, almost the entire team, even late into the season, uh, uh, Columbus lost their two for the cup. They lost a total of, I think they had nine players total test positive at some point during the playoffs over there in Columbus. Like I'm just going to brag about Washington. Uh, Really? Like when you talk about what did we do differently? I think it's less about the teams and more about the region. And if, if you look at what, cause, and the reason I say that is because it also was true for the Seattle Seahawks. They've only put one per one player through their entire season was put on the COVID list. And that was due to contact tracing, not testing. And it's because one of the people he contacted came down and they couldn't test in time. So they're like on the list. And if you look at that, every other team in the NFL had at least one positive test. So a lot of it just has to do with regionality. Our region has done for what is a fairly dense region, particularly Seattle, Tacoma, Bellevue, uh, the, the big cities where people live, has done a, a better than average for the United States job at limiting the spread. And then you throw in the type of testing that should have been common for everybody because our athletes were able to get um, – even at the USL level, they, they were testing multiple times a week. Um, that kind of stuff, you, you combine the, the distancing that has been more common in our region compared to most, and then you combine the frequency of testing to just cut off those, uh, the, the potential spread as quickly as possible. Uh, that's everything that the doctor said should be done, and I think that's why you had 
the Sounders, the Mariners. Uh, I don't recall the Mariners coming down with a positive test. I don't know their numbers quite as well because I, I don't pay as close attention. Do they still but, have a team? Yes. <laughs> they, uh, they nearly made the play. They were in playoff contention this year. All it took was a, an expansion of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> kind of like bum, MLS bum. did, where every, everybody but two teams make it. Yeah, so, so, the season's yeah. already going to have an asterisk on it anyways. Why not run with it? Okay. So, so when we talk not. about the health of the, the, like the COVID health of, uh, of the teams in this region, a lot of it just has to go with, to the non-athletes uh, because they still have to go shopping. They still have to buy food. Uh, and whether they do that via a drop-off at their front door or, or grocery shopping, um, the, the fact of the matter is, on average, our our state is outperforming similar states with uh, similar density. So um, it's mostly that. And then obviously our team, you know, uh, whether it's Pete Carroll or Brian Schmetzer, uh, their medical staffs uh, clearly communicated the threat in ways uh, of the virus, in ways that uh, some organizations didn't, because uh, there are coaches and medical staffs that didn't care. And so, while we're looking at, uh, while we're talking about staff, um, just in the interest of moving things along a little bit, uh, what is? Uh, can we do a quick rundown of staff that we're retaining and staff that's that has left or is leaving uh, for Sounders? Staff infection is leaving. <laughs> let's hope <laughs> um we lost uh uh was it richardson hutchinson the hutchinson. uh the former uh s2 Hutch, the yeah. one year that it was s2 at cheney stadium he was that coach mm-hmm. he got brought back as kind of a developmental expert to kind of bridge the gap for those guys like double air and aoc and leva uh-huh, um uh-huh. and so he is back in australia they are going to fill that position. So that'll be interesting um, if they fill from within the org or if they go out to some expert um, at that from somewhere else in the USL championship or whatnot. He was the end of season loss and kind of the only one. And then mid season or it might've happened during the CCL, they lost their sports science guy, um, Rodan, the dude that they hired away from the EPL. Um, yeah, and just replace him internally with the old guy who was Dave Tenney's number two is now the team's number one. And his, uh, I believe that's Chad Kalerik. Chad, I messed up your name. No, no, but um, you mentioned Dave Tenney. <laughs> Dave Tenney is no longer in the NBA. I think he's with Austin. Austin? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Sorry. Wow. Uh, just as you're, as we're recording, Pittsburgh is just getting hammered by Cleveland, uh, brought the uh, Spurgers thrown like his fourth pick. This is just amazing. So you you can leave that in. You can edit that out. I don't know. This no is problem, just awesome. No problem. Yeah, I'll probably get this out sometime uh, midweek here. Um, right, so, okay, there, so the, co- there was the big worry. Coaching we were staff, all yeah. very scared. Schmetzer, yeah. Um, the the Schmetzer Sounders negotiations seem to be over. I don't. I haven't had that press release hit my inbox yet, but all the national scribes say it's done. And let's be honest, any negotiations happening over the holidays during a pandemic and all of the other stuff, um, 
yeah, you know what? You might have been distracted and not negotiate, but uh, <laughs> it looks like they've agreed in principle, which is wonderful. And then um, Gonzalo Pineda didn't get ripped out from under us. Yeah, I'm curious to see what uh, what that was about. Like he was essentially offered the job, but there were maybe were some uh, um, I don't know some some things there where he wasn't able to agree to. Maybe there's some some catches or some. Uh, some change, something for for DC. Yeah, yeah correct, correct for One DC. There's some strings attached somewhere, maybe that he didn't, you know, didn't accept, didn't like. The but DC I'm happy to have him back. Uh, the DC experts that I that I pay attention to make it seem like it it was really around the assistant coaches that he wanted to bring in, and DC United has a, a history of underbidding, and so what. The theory that I read that seems most likely is they didn't want to pay their old assistant coaches that they're going to fire so that their new coach could bring in guys that they're currently not paying. Um, they kind of want to keep the assistant coaches because they have two two assistant coaches that are still under contract and they kind of want them around for some level of continuity. And anybody who's been in a leadership position at any point in their life knows that it gets funky when you've got the old team still around and you're bringing in your new people and then you have to figure out that dynamic and it just gets gross. <laughs> so I, I'm not necessarily surprised by that decision. It's going to be interesting because uh, Gonzalo has been regularly uh, interviewing for jobs at this point. So I don't think we're going to keep him around long enough to be Schmetzer's replacement because uh, though Schmetz is old for an MLS coach, which is weird to think because I think it's just Bruce Arena and Bob Bradley are the only ones older. Uh, he's actually not that old. He's not even 60 yet. So one thing that really intrigued me was DC United, like three of their six, there's when their shortlist was at six, three of them were former Sounders. Uh, Ezra Hendrickson, who was also a former S2 coach, uh, yeah. was one of their finalists. And then Pat Noonan, um, everybody's favorite. Good old Pat Noonan. Um, was also a finalist. So it'll be, uh, you know, those guys haven't made it. So I'm trying to think about the other Sounders assistants that are out there that DC United might be able to hire. Maybe the, uh, Precky, you know, maybe Precky, Precky. Uh, hired Darren Swatsky out of Richmond from league one. Um, yeah, who knows? Before, before Steve moves us on, uh, what what do you think what do you think uh what do you think Schmetzer has to do to stick around um and nice. is it better to go a year early than stay a year late and do you think they're going to try to transition Gonzo to this position sooner or later or Precky to this position before we have to have an uncomfortable conversation <laughs> like, I, I think the guy's kind of got to prove to like have a, a bad season before you can yeah, even that has to consider happen. right on like, like you know, people were disappointed five MLS cups like that's a it's a pretty pretty good record so a, despite how the seasons might have started in, in a lot of those cases i think uh, your your end results when you're coming away with with two stars um when the organization had never never gotten to those those pinnacles despite years and years and years of trying um, it's hard to it's hard to, to want to, you know, say, hey, well, here's 
Like, see you later. Here's your walking papers, <laughs> you know? kid. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then that would have been my frustration if they hadn't offered him a, a better contract is that, you know, ultimately mm-hmm. it came down to that. You wanted to get paid what, it, what he felt he was worth based on their, the success of the team. And he wasn't at that, that pay structure from my understanding. And it's been kind of with the success being shown was, it's really a big bargain for the team. So I, I appreciate Brian Spencer not only wanting to, to stay with the team, but also fighting for himself to, to get what he felt that he deserved and, and, and being able to do so. Yeah, and I think one of the other things is with a Hall of Famer coach, he is a Hall of Fame level coach as well. Like mm-hmm. I'm just going to – that should be a, an accepted fact at this point. With a coach at that level, you, you move too late, not too soon. Um, and I think that's true yep. for players too. I'd rather move too late on – on a player that's a first ballot Hall of Famer, then move too soon. We we've seen those mistakes in, for the baseball team where they got rid of what are we, too early. So I'd rather what are, I'd rather keep him as long as he wants to be here, uh, because what, yeah. What do we say to folks that um, that say, well, you've got to do it in more than one place to uh, to be considered a a, a, a top tier coach? I think most of the people we say, shut up, Alexi. <laughs> <laughs> You heard it here, 478th time. <laughs> we are referring to the guy who did it in zero places, right? Exactly. <laughs> because exactly. he was never a good general manager, never a good coach. And yeah, yeah like even as an analyst, uh, he's not as good <laughs> now really as he was that. when he was with ESPN. Um, <laughs> like, you know, Alex, I I said this uh, on the Sounder at Heart podcast uh, back around MLS Cup. Is uh, the fact of the matter is is uh, the Seattle Sounders are a dynasty. They missed the playoffs only twice since 1994. Mm-hmm. They have uh, I can't, I've lost track of the number of major trophies. It's something like 12 major trophies in that stretch. The Adrian Hanauer and Brian Schmetzer partnership has missed the playoffs only once and has four league titles and uh, in that stretch, and I think won the regular season twice with the USL. The Siggy Schmidt era was not a flawed era. The worst performance was when they finished seventh in the league. Um, the worst years for the Seattle Sounders in, since 1994 are good seasons for the Philadelphia Union. And I say that even now Including when they one. have yeah. a shield and then failed out of the playoffs, like they all like um, this is, you know, this is a dynasty. And while it's not all Schmetzer because Lagerway and Hanauer deserve a lot of it, uh, a lot of that praise and a lot of share in that. Um, the, the fact is you, you hang on to that core group that has succeeded at everything that they've tried at every year of their lives when they've been involved in this sport. Um, uh-huh. And you stick with what's working because it's awesome. Like it's well, awesome. Circling... We, a, a bad year is not being in the final four. Right. So uh, circling back to what the Sounders might need next year and a, a conversation that we had uh, offline, uh, Dave, um, if the if the league isn't going to be spending and and uh, the Sounders front office isn't going to be spending on on new salaries, new acquisitions this year, 
what do we need? Um, how is uh, Garth going to do his wizardry and make sure that we've got a we've got a full roster throughout the the entire twenty twenty one season? The roster's pretty barren. We talked about it, particularly on the right side. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit barren at defensive mid, but not horrible there. And so kind of what I want to see, because there's just not a lot of depth, is I, I think um, there's more depth with Defiance and, and whatnot um, in the attacking band. So I really need them to pick up something at right back because mm-hmm. there's no there's no one that can step up from below. And you can't just have Alex roll down and then Christian once in a while there. So they need some kind of flyer at right back who at the very least can be Alex's backup. Um Maybe that's Denzo Ulysses, who used to be with Defiance, who entered Miami, signed, and then he got injured. So he missed all of last year, something like that. Uh, I believe it's RJ, no, not R, DJ Allen from uh, North Carolina FC, a uh, 23-year-old who has something like 80 starts for them, all at right back. Um, might be the type of guy that you invite in to be kind of that bubble player. Uh, and then they've well, got well, they've got to find it. What happened to what happened to Kelvin Leardham? Yeah, uh, they're not going to be resigning. He's not resigning. He's going to oh, be too expensive for, oh for his no. age team, I think, at this point. So. Oh no. Yeah. So you've got to get at the very least, you got to get something um, at the depth at right back, and then you need a um, you need a third attacking midfielder that can be that can basically tell uh, <clears throat> Shannon Hopio you have to earn your playing time. You can't you can't start. <laughs> preseason where Shannon Hopiow and Ethan Doubleair, Jordy DeLem and Josh Atencio are trying to figure out which one of them gets to start. Um, I, I love the youth. You all know that. That's why it was involved oh, yeah. in defiance for so long, but um, yeah, it's got to, uh, they need, uh, they need two, at least two people, um, one in the attacking band and then one at right back who can just force competition. I'm not saying that they have enough money to bring in great talent and it's gotta be somebody local because uh, Garth brought this up. Uh, you're not going to be able to travel around the world to, to get that final scouting of a guy um, during the pandemic. And so that's why that's part of why they said they wanted to wait till August for big money is because they want to, that final conversation involves face to face. That's also, that's also right. Garth's thing is to, try to make those moves in the, uh, in this, in the summer window, you know, 20, 2020 being the, the one rare exception where he, you know, splashed and, and tried to gear up our, our, our boys for CCL. And unfortunately just bum luck, you know, the one year the, the, the butter toast landed butter side up. Yeah. Well, uh, gentlemen, we're, we're sitting right about the one hour mark. Any parting shots or thoughts? Uh, what do you hope happens in this offseason? Best possibility, worst possibility. Let's do that. Uh, I would say worst possibility. We don't have a season, um, depending on how, what kind of offer MLS extends to, to the players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I worry, I guess, how it might be structured long term as far as like revenue share and things like that as they yeah. as the league tries to recoup the losses of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think first and foremost, yeah, the league needs to appease its investors, but they also need to take care of their players um, a little bit more. And I think this year in particular, um, not only from the way that the players negotiated the, the CBA to the point where they felt comfortable to have the MLS's back tournament, 
also what we saw in regards to racial justice uh, groups forming within within the, the players themselves. Um, I think that's incredibly important to see. And I, I hope that these, these, um, these groups do use the power that is allotted to them to make sure that not only are they playing in a safe environment, but it makes sense for them financially, not only in the short term, but in the long term as well. Yeah. Okay. What's the best possibility for you, John? Uh, best possibility is we're all vaccinated by March and we can all attend a, uh, a Sanders match, um, you know, when the season is, you know, normally going to be started and then, you know, rain defiance, all, uh, you know, all that, you know, I, that would be, that, that is my, my ultimate uh, wish. Well, I think I'm getting mine in March, but we'll see what happens. All right, Tim, best and worst. Kind of piggyback on John's uh, best case scenario. Everyone gets vaccinated. Like a Wendy's drive-thru, the first window shoots your first first round. And the second window, you pay and you get your second round and and those spicy nuggets. Um, (laughs) I I want – I don't want the players to get – I don't want the players to lose their – to lose anything. I I think they've already made some sacrifices. Um, I understand – the, the the league is losing money, but the the force majeure thing uh, we'll get it to at another you know another episode. I'm just wondering if if they're gonna you know lock themselves out eventually and just like hey you get enough is enough. Uh, worst case scenario, yeah. The worst case scenario is there's no season, there's no soccer, um, and politically things just get disgusting and bloody and people get hurt. That's my worst case scenario. And uh, do you already give your best, yeah, best case? case uh, Wendy's drive through Everyone okay, gets great. vaccinated. Uh, Wendy's drive through everywhere. Uh, even recreationally. All right, Dave. All right, Dave. <laughs> Recreational soccer. Uh, best case and worst case, Dave. I'm going to go worst case first. And I think the worst case, uh, I'm going to have a less morbid worst case than everybody else. My worst case is <laughs> they sell Jordan Morris because I don't think oh, he needs God. to go anywhere to prove anything. He is uh, a starting level winger for the U.S. national team. Uh, who has a really good attacking band right now with him and Pulisic and, and whatnot. So oh, that's my worst case. And your your uh, your best case scenario? Is it uh, sports fans continue to stay distant, continue to wear a mask, and continue to wash their hands, and they get the damn vaccination as soon as they possibly do so that we can all be in the stadium, even at a reduced capacity at some point this spring? Because if you I want sports it. and you want restaurants, you do the hard stuff now so it's easy yep. later. Yeah. That's not something we're particularly good at as Americans, but hey, you know what? Try, try again. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Uh, best case for me is um, is similar. What was it going to be? I had it. I had it. I had it. They sell Jordan Morris and then use that money to pay full freight for the salaried players that are currently <laughs> on the roster. Uh, best case scenario, Luis Suarez gets signed uh, to – did that actually happen or was that just a bullshit rumor? I think he's at Atlantico, uh, Atletico, right? Atletico. Yeah, he got released okay. for free. I thought he was going to go down to uh, – he's going to get signed for uh, to, to Miami, Inter-Miami. That was – that's – yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's something that could happen down the road, but that – you know, whatever. Plants got to align. That's nothing, nothing right now. <laughs> anyway. Uh, best case for me is uh, MLS realizes that force majeure is something they've already tried to pull basically with uh, all the concessions they took away from players over the summer. And worst case is that they don't. That's about it for me. 
I've been Steve Kettleson. I'm Tim Hamilton. And Dave Clark has joined us once again. Where can we find your writing, Dave Clark? You can find my soccer writing. My soccer writing you can find again at sounderheart.com. And then you can find my not soccer writing at fullmoonstorytelling.com. John, say goodbye. You're still muted, dude. Now I'll say goodbye. I gotta go, guys. Okay. Have yourself a wonderful evening. I'm Steve. Uh, Once again, you can find us at uh, floundersbteam.com, at floundersbteam on Twitter, and you can subscribe to the Channel 253 Network, uh, $4 a month, $40 a year at channel253.com forward slash membership. So once again, uh, this is the Flounders B team, and we will see you again maybe next week. This is Channel 253.